So one of my great joys in life is when something super sinister is hidden in a piece of uh, like ostensibly family friendly media. Okay. Uh, did you ever play uh, Star Fox of either variety, the the Super variety or the uh, N64? Uh, a little bit of the Super variety, but not really any of the N64 now. Okay, well, and like Smash, did you ever notice that like Fox and Falco have what look like uh, metal shin guards? Maybe a little bit. Uh, well, uh, according to uh, uh, character the character designer, those aren't shin guards. Those are their legs because all of the pilots in the Star Fox universe have to have their legs amputated below the knee and replaced with bionics. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) What practical purpose does that serve? Uh, Well, because when you're doing like uh, high velocity spins and stuff, it increases the G forces. And... So it makes your legs fall off? <laughs> well, no. It In real life, it forces like the blood down lower into your body until eventually your brain's not getting enough oxygen and you pass out. Okay, so the solution is just shorten <laughs> your body <laughs> so it doesn't have as far to go? <laughs> yes. Uh... But like in real life, we have like specialized G-suits that help with this in uh like... The, the the fairy tale animal in the fairy tale furry land. Uh, no, just the answer is amputation. Yeah, they figured out how to make animals fly jets, but they couldn't figure out uh, pants that pre- that prevent amputation. The answer, the solution <laughs> is pants. <laughs> well, they have pants. They just end at the robotic legs. Well. Maybe if they had pants that didn't end at the robotic knees, they wouldn't need robotic knees. What the fuck, Japan? I mean, also, I just yeah, that's the... a question that gets asked, that gets tossed around a lot. But in this particular case, the fuck, man. Also, I just love these character designers uh, sitting around. And it's like, uh, they're totally fine with like all of the critters from the hundred acre woods flying space jets, but they draw the, uh, the line of realism at uh, uh, realistically depicting G forces. Yeah. Well, especially because like what, what's the if flappy, the, is he the frog one? The frog has robotic legs too. Yeah. But half his body is his fucking head. <laughs> You're telling me that he still has problems with his blood draining out of his head. Yeah. And uh, I think it was in like Star Fox Adventures or one of the other ones, they introduced like a new character who's going to become a pilot. So it's just like, I'm waiting. I, I wish we could have gotten a scene with, the, with that conversation. It was like, hey, you want to fly an R-Wing? Gonna have to lose some weight. <laughs> Fortunately, it'll be a real quick process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we'll call it a crash diet. <laughs> It's a world of celebration, of stockings hung in expectation, of winking lights and wintry wonderlands. M&M's go with the season, moms and Santas know the reason, M&M's melt in your mouth, not in your head. All the world loves m and 
M&M's. They're a world of pure milk chocolate joy. All the world loves M&M's. They're neat to eat, fun to share, a part of Christmas everywhere. They go hand in hand with fun for everyone. They're a world of pure milk chocolate joy. All the world loves them and they go hand in hand with fun for everyone. M&M's chocolate candies. The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. <laughs> so welcome back to another holiday edition of The Splatterpunks. My name is Ness. And David. And... This week, uh, we're taking a break uh, from uh, from horror content, sort of. And sort of. You'll, you, you'll see why I say sort of very quickly. But instead, we are talking about uh, Christmas television specials. Yes. And there is something that I've been wanting to talk to you about very badly. I was just like waiting for you to get on this call. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's not technically uh, a TV special since it went straight to online. So we're already starting strong. Yep, and it but, is from not, not the direct to online. So the straight to DVD of straight to DVD. Well, you say that, but it is also a uh, a lifetime original. Mm, getting stronger. <laughs> Called a recipe for seduction. <laughs> Word. <laughs> It's a 16-minute uh, mini-movie that tells the story of a young heiress who struggles to choose between a wealthy suitor chosen by her mother and the new house chef, Harland Sanders. Oh, shit. I've heard about this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I watched the KFC romance movie. KFC is just getting fucking weird with their marketing. Like, this is not the first time that they've had like a, a Colonel Sanders based erotica programming. Uh, there is a Colonel Sanders dating sim. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to go for like the Colonel Sanders Justice League books, but it's all weird, man. <laughs> and uh, Harlan Situation is normal, all fucked up. Harlan is played by Mario Lopez, best known as uh, uh, what was he? Uh, Slater on Saved by the Bell. Word. <laughs> and both the production value and specifically the getup they gave him to turn him into Colonel Sanders looks like a cross between like Saving Christmas and a Wood Rocket production. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what this is. Mario in particular got it bad. Like they gave him like this like brush in gray dye. Because even though he's like in his thirties, he's he, Colonel Sanders has to have gray hair. He's got to be older than that. However old, yeah, you know, Saved by the Bell was on like thirty years ago. You know what he looks like? Um, he looks like uh the killer from Dial Code Santa. You know how he's just like spray painting his like hair and beard uh white. <laughs> okay, well that actor looked... looked like he was made out of plastic. He looked like the tint, like the the the. <laughs> The uh, Tim Allen robot from the Santa Claus 2. And so does Mario Lopez, just if it was a Colonel Sanders bot. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and uh, in true, uh, in true uh, lifetime, uh, lifetime movie uh, 
fashion, uh, about like halfway through this 16 minute movie, it has to turn into like a vaguely rapey erotic thriller that's still rated PG. Word. <laughs> that ends with sequel bait. see what what could we call this sense and sensibility and 11 spices <laughs> oh yeah and the, the, just despite it uh just being like a, a long kfc commercial they both talk about his secret recipe too much and not enough because <laughs> he's talking about how he's got this secret recipe that he believes is going to change the world so does this take place like in the like 19th century? Is this like, is this like a uh, re region? It takes place in the modern day. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a alternate timeline where K where uh, Harlan Sanders was born like 60 years after he actually, uh, well, yeah, almost 60 years after he died at this point. Eh. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> uh, I well, it's you know, it's it's up online. I encourage you to go watch it. You know what? I feel like I probably will have to. <laughs> See, uh, writer for the L.A. Times gave the movie a favorable review, calling it a tongue-in-cheek take on the lifetime romance movie genre and a movie aimed at women who love men who love chicken. <laughs> Women who love men who love chicken. A little too much. <laughs> now, just want to be sure. You're not planning to fuck this chicken, are you? So, I don't know what, you know, coked out weirdo at the Yum Foods brand has been pushing all these weird Colonel Sanders crossover properties over the last several years but i hope to god that they keep making them <laughs> well you see what i think it is is uh you know how in the you know last like 15 to 20 years comedy has become kind of uh really focused on that sort of uh like bizarre sort of uh parody of like shitty tv like you know the tim and eric's and your uh, eric andres and all that kind of stuff it's kind of like basically t comedy has become uh, like a weird fever dream that you saw on like public access. Yeah. Anti-comedy. Yeah. Like the, the dancing guy show from uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah. So this is that being fed back into the machine. And this is what they're doing with it. And, you know, sometimes it results in Colonel Sanders getting a, uh, a Green Lantern ring due to his like strong will and desire to make fried chicken the right way instead of the easy way yes so yeah uh all of that stuff was um basically lampooning uh shitty surreal tv so shitty surreal tv has managed to then consume and digest the uh parody we are operating on a new level folks we've broken through we have access the mainframe so, yeah, as, as I'm talking about this, I realize that this actually isn't a Christmas special at all. Uh, it just aired on Sunday, though. So I just. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say it doesn't sound like Christmas at all. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I literally I was too distracted by all of the uh, by all of the uh, shiny baubles to realize that this has nothing to do with Christmas. 
Though, if I had directed this special, I absolutely would have made uh, the closing theme Feed the World. Or do they know it's Christmas time at all or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) They could not afford that. (laughs) I feel like they could have if they really wanted it. They just didn't want it enough. (laughs) Also, like I said, it can't be an expensive song. Also, uh, so this aired on uh, the 13th. Uh, We're recording this on the 14th. By the time this episode is up, I'm assuming that the Wood Rocket parody will already also be live on their website. Do they not already have like Colonel Sanders themed uh, content on there? Uh, They mostly uh, uh, they mostly do content based around cartoon shows. So I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Surprise. There is surprising. there is nothing funny about the sleep paralysis demon from Strokemon standing over me while I'm <laughs> lying in my bed just saying big things coming over and over again. <laughs> Some of those wood walking movies are really fucking good, man. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a time and a half. I mean, it, 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 it's basically just the porn version of that thing you were just talking about where we're just like cannibalizing weirdo, independent, public access, anti-humor. Yeah, it's outsider, insider, outsider art. <laughs> and they just leaned into it. Like you can get, uh, you know, the, the horrifying uh, porn SpongeBob on a t-shirt that you can actually wear out in public though you probably shouldn't because that probably counts as some kind of sex crime. <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah, know you, how... You will, get, you, will, you will get added to a database. They see that too many times. Yeah, I don't know how or why. It just feels illegal. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah, you want How to get about into- this Christmas? Yeah, let's get into some actual Christmas. Enough uh, fried chicken and uh, uh, nightmare porn. Yeah, or regular porn. Or regular nightmare porn. Or porn nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, Christmas time. So, uh, where you want to start with this? Uh, you want to start classic? You want to start more contemporary? Yeah, I th- I was thinking about that, and I think that probably the um, the place to start would be uh, what I've identified as probably like the 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 tri- the triumvirate of the the Rankin Bass specials. Well, you say triumvirate, but there's actually like ten of those movies. I know, but there, there's, well, I'll, I'll get into that. I'll explain that in a minute, but there's like three at the very top, like the most iconic ones. There's obviously Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Frosty the Snowman. And which of these is the best? There is a correct answer. It, it's Rudolph. Yes. Explain your answer. Uh, because it's the weirdest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just um, like. You know, yeah, we got a we got a uh, reindeer here, and we've got a uh, a little elf who wants to be a dentist, and they're gonna run away together. And then there's a, a gold prospector, and then there's an island with a flying lion toy. And yeah, King Moonraiser. Yeah, <laughs> a, a flying lion and a bunch of you know, dude, just lords over his frozen island of misfit toys. 
yeah. including some toys that aren't actually toys. Like one is just an owl who swims. Yeah, this, this <laughs> does this does this special have a second act or is it just <laughs> one really long first act and then a third act? No, yeah, it's it just, like, uh, it's just like introducing stuff, and then uh, the thing with the bumble happens, and then um, the guide Santa's uh, sleigh. Uh, I think there is a third act because first act we're running away, second act uh, Rudolph is running away again, but in a different direction. Uh, third act, we have to defeat the Bumble and save Christmas. Okay. So, regardless, still very weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. Is there anything in particular that we can say about this one that isn't just like, you know, it's fucking weird, man. Uh, I like uh, Burl Ives as Sam the Snowman. Yeah, I forgot he is here. Who looks a lot like, like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> well, I think he was modeled after Burl Ives. Who looks Who a lot like also... Colonel Sanders. Well, well, we don't have photos of them in the same room together, to my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aside, aside from the fact that this special is kind of a fever dream, the other thing uh, everyone takes around from it is that Christmas folks are dicks. Like all of the people who live at the North Pole. Yeah, yeah, they are yeah. they are kind of dicks. Santa's a dick. The reindeers are dicks. Uh, whoever the boss elf is is a dick. Yeah, like the elf foreman or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, Santa's probably the biggest ass of all, though. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he I, just shows I, like, up to uh, your house after you've had a newborn baby, sings a song, calls your baby ugly, and leaves. <laughs> not only ugly also useless <laughs> yes and then he uh goes and watches uh elf chorus practice that is basically just like boo 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 <laughs> yeah he Y'all boos your stuck. baby he boos his elves <laughs> yeah what, the, uh, your, the, what is your malfunction santa <laughs> Yeah, the it, the only time he seems happy is when he's fat. Well, no, no, he he seems pretty happy when he's singing his uh, song about how he's the king of jingling. Yeah, <laughs> and then he calls your baby ugly and leaves. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's singing a song about how he's basically like the 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 king of Christmas, king shit of Christmas Mountain. Yeah, while insulting their baby. <laughs> But it's okay. His parents didn't like the baby either. <laughs> yeah, because Rudolph's dad's a fucking asshole too. All the reindeer are. Uh, Comet, who's the coach? Yeah, yeah, he's the one who says like, yeah, he's, from, he's from basically just on, like, boo, 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 boo this child, boo. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. At the end, Rudolph pr- proves that he's useful, and therefore everybody likes him. Take De- take this lesson, kids. Deviation from the norm will be punished unless it is exploitable. Yes. Yeah, it's like the the, the only guy who's like cool from the start is Yukon Cornelius, the best character in any of the movies. 
Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he rules. And Sam, I guess, though, he doesn't actually factor into the story. He's just the narrator. Yeah. yeah. Herbie doesn't really do much either. I mean, he uh, pulls out the Bumble's teeth at the end, but... Yeah, so, you know, there's that. Yeah. But um, I think moving on to number two from the uh, the tops, from the big three, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, not as weird. Not as weird. It does weird. have an ice wizard, though. Does have an ice wizard. So that's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> it's okay. It is the most metal out of all of them, I think. Yeah, because they're living in like it's a got, fascist yeah, winter... German town, uh, dodging tree monsters, evil dead tree monsters, and ice wizards and shit. Yeah. Um, well, actually, he's the winter warlock. <laughs> <laughs> also, it, it, yeah, equally excellent. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've th- picked this one. The, the the central story isn't all that interesting. It's all of the window dressing for me. That's the fun part. I mean, the story is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty fun. You know, it's basically just Santa Claus running from the cops for 20 minutes. Yeah. Pretty, you know, like, uh, you know, just sort of incompetent B- Bavarians or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, whatever people it was that elected that elected Burgermeister Meister Burgers, <laughs> voiced by Paul Fries. Yeah. Uh, and on the topic of uh, running from the cops, I've kicked this idea around before, but okay, Frosty the Snowman, he does he he, he disregards uh, the cops, disregards the constabulary. He only wears clothes that he found lying in a gutter, and he hops trains. Frosty the Snowman is a crust punk. Yes. Yes, I think he may be. Yeah. He does not have a dog on a rope, though. Uh, That's the little girl, or the rabbit. Uh, Okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, either or. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's just your classic hungry, hungry hobo. But I think that um, of those three, I think Frosty is probably my least favorite, though. It's also still good. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not as weird and batshit as the other two. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, for one thing, it's uh, 2D animated instead of stop motion. So it loses points for that. But yeah, also, it's like the less the least bizarre and therefore the least interesting. Yeah. Although and... I will say it is night and day uh, with Frosty Returns. Yeah, you're thinking of Frost, uh, Frosty's Winter Wonderland, right? No, Frosty Returns from the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that would lead us into uh, the next segment, which is, um, you know, those are the, like the top three Rankin-Bass specials, you know, like the classic ones that you see on TV every year, and, you know, it's a big event. Well, hang on, hang on. Uh, there, there was another... Uh, what was it? Uh, the year without a Santa Claus, or well, that's what I'm getting into now. Now, because okay. we're we're gonna talk about all of like the B listers, the ones that are like not Rudolph or Santa Claus has come to town or Frosty the Snowman. I don't know. Year without a Santa Claus is pretty good, I think. I mean, it's if good. It, if it it's is the... even weirder than uh, than any than Rudolph, though. Sure is. <laughs> that's why that's that's why it owns. Yeah. 
So this is where, like, the, like I said, you have that top that top tier, which is those three: Rudolph, Santa Claus is coming to town, and Frosty the Snowman. Then you got your B listers. This is where you're gonna find Frosty's Winter Wonderland, The Year Without a Santa Claus, The Little Drummer Boy, Jack Frost, a bunch of other shit that I I Nestor the Long Eared Christmas Donkey. Yeah, that one. Uh, let's see what else was there. Uh, did you say Jack uh, Frost? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the stingiest man in town, which it's it's just uh, kind of looks look. It, it, it's it kind of looks like a cross between uh like the Rankin Bass. Uh, it's like it's an adaptation of a Christmas Carol, and it kind of looks like a cross between like the Rankin Bass Frosty the Snowman and the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. Uh, well, before we get into that, I'm looking at my list here. I got the Little Drummer Boy, and then the Little Drummer Boy, comma book two. That has me very interested. <laughs> yeah, you heard the story of the little drummer boy, but you didn't hear all of it. <laughs> he's back and he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but I so I think that, that um I don't, like I don't distinctly remember a lot of the b-listers like i'm sure i saw caught most of them on tv at least like once or twice over the course of my life but the two that i really remember most distinctly for very specific reasons are frosty's winter wonderland and the year without a santa claus uh year without a santa claus is the one i remember much more because it's the one with you know fucking uh heat miser and uh snow miser yeah yeah, th- well, I mean, yeah, those are the two characters that I remember the most. And every once in a while, like not even around Christmas time, like the Heat Miser song will get stuck in my head. And I'm just like, the fuck is th- what the <laughs> fuck, man? Why? Why am I like this? They call me Heat Miser. Everything yeah. that I touch starts to melt in my clutch. I'm too, too much. But um, bump, 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 bump. Uh, so that's going to be with me for the next <laughs> six months now. Um, so have fun with that. Yep. Good night. But um, and that's the one where um, oh yeah, and their mother is, and their their mom is like Gaia. Yeah, and I forgot what the conceit. Okay, so like it's they need to make it snow, so they're trying to like you know kind of work out like a peace treaty between the heat miser and the snow miser or something like that. Yeah. Like Santa is just like, he's not feeling it this year. He doesn't want to go out. So, yeah. um, but you know, so they he, figure that maybe if it snows, that'll make him want to go out. No, he agrees. He'll go out because some random little girl wrote him a letter from South town. A, yeah. South town uh, asking <laughs> for, for snow for Christmas. So he just arbitrarily decides that you know, if they can make it snow in Southtown, then he'll do Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is, the, <laughs> this is the movie that feels the most like just a series of non sequiturs that just kind of happen. Yeah. Um. Well, I. Th- yeah, because. I don't I don't really remember too much distinctly about this one aside from because I think just the heat miser and the snow oh, miser are just so fucking weird. And they, they also uh, sprung for the song Blue Christmas by Elvis. Why? <laughs> why this one? <laughs> I I don't know. 
Why did you license music for this one? Because I think the girl, the little girl sings it to Santa Claus through a greeting card somehow. Yeah, you know, magic. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Santa's always watching, right? You better watch out. You better watch out. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, they the started other... with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and got squirrelier from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, did Fro- what came out first? Was it Rudolph or was it Frosty? Uh, okay, no. What? Yeah, it was it was Rudolph? Rudolph was the first Rankin Bass one. So they just like hit the ground running, you know, <laughs> pump that yeah. gas. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm so like, I'm so confused as to, as to how this went over. Like in 1964, when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer debuted on TV, people watched this and were like, I don't know, it seems legit. <laughs> I can only assume that people in like the 1950s, 1960s must have been far weirder than we give them credit for. You know, we, we look, we look, must back, be, yeah. we look back on it thinking it was all like leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best and shit like that. But, you know, I, I, I you also got to remember that speed was that speed was legal and they sold it to, to women in the back of magazines. True. Yeah. Leave it to Bieber was America as it imagined itself. Leave it to Bieber was the super ego. Rudolph was the id. <laughs> <laughs> but that also, um, speaking of just weird, hilarious shit, I do want to talk for a moment, just a moment, about, about Frosty's, Frosty's Winter Wonderland. Very specifically, one part of it. <laughs> Go off. Uh, so as you recall, uh, this one was narrated by Andy Griffith and another uh, version of America as it likes, as it chooses to see itself. Yep. And so, uh, in the, you know, the first kind of like, you know, triumphant scene where they are about to bring frost. It's basically like the bride bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to bring Frosty's uh, they want to bring like create a bride for Frosty. So they build her and then they put the hat on her head. And then, uh, you know, the, Andy Griffith the, sings like the, the musical cue, and he's like, you know, and when they placed it on his on her head and then pause two beats, nothing. And then Andy Griffith, these kids, these kids are just like standing there forlorn crying and then andy griffith just walks into frame and says nothing yeah uh this special i don't think really plays on tv that much anymore we definitely didn't watch it growing up so when we watched it like in our 20s for the first time we just like no i saw this a couple of times as a kid it's just yeah it, it, it didn't show up a lot because it was again like a b lister it wasn't it wasn't rudolph or the first frosty or anything like that Okay, because I thought we saw it uh, for the first time together, and we both just lo- we just lost it at that. <laughs> the it was probably the first time that I had seen it in like ten or fifteen years. But yeah, I I didn't remember anything about the special. So that time that I did watch it with you, I just fucking I was crying, laughing at just. I the... laughed till I thought I was gonna throw up. Yeah, you know, as they say, comedy is like ninety percent timing, and it was just it was perfectly paced. Yeah, it was just, like it was it was a it was like a sublime moment. Yeah, it's just like comedy that that the, that line from uh, Pat Oswald. If they had planned to do what they did, they would have been genius. 
But I mean, were there any other of the rank and bass like B listers that you wanted to bring up? Uh, not really. There was Frosty Returns, but that wasn't actually a uh, a Rankin Bass. Yeah, that one is not technically made by Rankin Bass, but it kind of sort of ties into the continuity of the first one a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I watched that one plenty of times as a kid, too. Um, I don't know. I, I just watched the it's original. It's got John Goodman in it. It's got John Goodman. It's got uh, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, as uh, the little girl, and I assume like her first role. Yeah, um, I mean, it was clearly, you know, it was made in the '90s. It was clearly made on the cheap. Uh, yeah, but... for the longest time, I thought this had to be like a class, a, a class key chupo uh, uh, joint because a, it's ugly as sin. <laughs> it and, is pretty fucking ugly. And B, all of that music is like the trudging fart noises from the Rugrats. <laughs> all right, well, the trudging fart noises from the Rugrats were made by Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo, so. Yeah, they couldn't afford that guy. <laughs> no, yeah, that's why they uh, they just, just got- Just an like, amazing imitation, They I basically, guess. yeah, in the, they kind of got, I think they just basically got like uh, the- uh, pre-programmed sound samples on like a Casio keyboard <laughs> and and just let like the director's cat walk over it. Yeah, pretty much. But I will give it this. It unlike most of these other movies, it does have a coherent plot. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it is unequivocally a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably uh, the least weird, which kind of also makes it the most boring yeah you know, it's it it's the early 90s so of course we're fighting a uh, a big bad business daddy yeah uh yeah big bad business that he's basically a captain planet villain like he's trying yeah, to he's yeah, trying actually to, he's trying to just he's trying to literally melt the polar ice caps himself yeah with <laughs> us with, uh, with aerosol cans And then and they just like throw him in a river and sing a song. Yeah. In the movie's and, over. Yeah. And then he decides to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I have seen the error of my ways. And then suddenly. Like, it's that easy. <laughs> and then suddenly he wasn't a capitalist anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, th I think that. I do I do kind of like this one just because it does have that that you know really uh that like 90s uh sort of like naive progressivism that I find kind of charming honestly very very uh captain planet slash natural wonder store hours yeah where you just like go up to like people who are destroying the world and tell them to stop it and they'll be like all right oh, well, when okay. you put it like that yeah all right you got me You're fair and square yeah, you're doing bad. Damn, you're right. <laughs> All right. New plan. Less evil. Yeah, but it doesn't even have Tim Curry singing a sexy sludge song like Fern Gully. Yeah. So, you know, negative points there. Yeah. But, you know, they can't all be Fern Gully. I arguably most things shouldn't be. <laughs> I've, I haven't watched uh, Fern Gully or Once Upon a Forest in probably 20 years. I feel like I should probably keep it that way. 
I want to remember. Like, you're, you're, I want to remember yeah. them as they were, not as they are. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the thing. It's like you're not going to get anything new out of it. It's 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 not going it's not going to positively impact your life if you go back and rewatch these things. But yeah, I just watched uh, most of these specials uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, Frosty Returns always plays on like the tail end of the original Frosty, and it's like, ooh, ooh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like when you know someone, it's like, let's not have you stand in the light. Let's kind of like put you <laughs> in a in a shadowy corner where people can't see all of these lines. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, check it out. <laughs> uh, it, ten it, out of ten. It, it's worth a watch, just out of curiosity, but not it. It it's not great. Yeah, but at least forty percent of that curiosity is morbid in nature. Yeah. So, I think you know, maybe maybe move on to a uh, another leg of the discussion now. Yeah. Uh. Um, so one of the kids in Frosty Returns is just like. I swear to God, just like they like copy and pasted a background character from uh, Charlie Brown. So <laughs> entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> Not one of the ones that has a name, mind you. He's like the kid who kind of looks like Linus, but he's an asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. I, maybe may, at, in, in one of the scenes, you might see just like a, a, a painted cell of him just kind of gliding across the screen because they didn't <laughs> want to animate his feet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas. So um, uh, earlier this year, uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown wasn't aired on TV for the first time in like 100 years. And people, hell of a year to do it. People got super nettled. So uh, uh, Apple TV or whoever uh, acquired the rights actually did relent and uh, played uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas on PBS uh, last week. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, shall we say, a bad look. (laughs) It's a bad look to, uh, you know take a uh the giant uh, corp the giant company that won't let anybody watch this beloved christmas special <laughs> yeah you, it's like you're you're doing like villain from a christmas special shit as we speak <laughs> yeah you have literally become mr twitchell from frosty returns yeah give it five years they're gonna put the baby jesus behind a paywall <laughs> but yeah um so there's actually, I, th- I think there's four total Charlie Brown Christmas specials. Uh, there's about I don't a few. Think that I, yeah, I don't think that I've seen. At, I've only seen like the first two of them. I've seen Charlie Brown Christmas and it's Christmas time again, Charlie Brown. I think I've seen all of them. It's just some of them. It's been years. Yeah. Well, they also get so something that, you know, has been a part of like the Charlie Brown uh, TV specials from the beginning. Um, they're kind of just like collections of vignettes that are loosely connected. Like they're always kind of like that. It's almost like they're animated yeah. versions of like the three panel strips from the, you know, where the peanuts came from. Yeah. But um, pretty much as, as this, as these uh, specials kind of progress through their, you know, through their order, they, all of the vignettes gel less and less, you know? 
like Charlie Brown Christmas is pretty cohesive overall. Like, yeah, it's, it's it, got it, a. It is, as you said, a movie. Charlie is not feeling the Christmas spirit. They try to give him the Christmas spirit by making him direct the Christmas play. Shit goes yeah. bad. The other kids see the errors of their ways. Uh, we sing Hark the Herald Angels. Yeah. Um, Christmas time again, Charlie Brown. Um, I don't really remember what goes on in that one. It's kind of it's like Charlie Brown is like looking for a gift. I remember Woodstock the... working as a mall Santa. Yeah, that's about I mean, it. I think he and Sno- he and Snoopy got jobs as mall Santas. And it uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, it's more segments that just like don't really connect together per se. Like there is like an overarching story, but it's mostly just sort of uh, filler vignettes that last about like two minutes each or something. Uh, yeah, Charlie Br- and Charlie Brown's Christmas Tales. They really just dropped the pretense and just like did a sketch show. Yeah. So. I mean, and then I the fourth I one I actually say... do. The fourth one I actually do remember somewhat. It's I want a dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown, where Linus's uh, little brother wants, you know, a Snoopy. So uh, and then Snoopy's uh, brother Spike from the desert comes to visit. Hmm. Okay, that one does sound a little bit familiar. Yeah, more so than the other ones, at least. Yeah, but uh, so that's the thing is like I don't think any of them are bad per se. It's just most of them don't really live up to the the, the classic. The, yeah, the the je ne sais quoi of the uh, of the original Charlie Brown Christmas. It's also one of the most religious uh, Christmas specials outside of like weirdo church shit. Yeah. Like yeah, um, I I don't know if Charles Schultz was like an evangelical or something, but yeah, he he managed to you know, kind of, sort of thread that needle a little bit where he is like, at a the it, climax of the of the sh- of the whole series of the whole thing is sort of you know Linus giving a brief recitation of Luke. like the nativity, yeah, and like uh you know proselytizing a little bit, but it doesn't feel overbearing or anything like it, that it, you know? it never feels forced or out of place yeah it, it it's a fine wine to thread yeah and it it i think it it might work a little bit more also because it does tie in more with the kind of uh the overarching plot of the thing with charlie brown unable to get the Christmas spirit and everybody is trying to tell him what Christmas is all about. And it's, you know, uh, sort of consumer products and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Aluminum and... Christmas trees and Snoopy's decorating competition and his little sister, Sally, just like hitting Santa up for tens and twenties. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think if I had to pick just one Christmas special, I'd probably go with this one. Because it's not as batshit and weird as some of the Rankin Bass ones, but it just I I like I think I like it the most. Uh it 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 might be weird to say, but it does feel more Christmassy than like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, where yeah. we're just like going on a madcap adventure and seeing, you know, shit from like a blacklight poster. Yeah. And it's sort of similar with uh you know, with Halloween, where the great pumpkin Charlie Brown, for whatever reason, it just has this uh, 
this essence that you know just sort of uh distills down the holiday and it's sort of the perfect thing to watch to get in the the halloween mood and this Which is, is kind weird of the same because it has Christmas. a because it has a long segment that's all about world war one yeah that <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was what I was talking about earlier with those like connection like a collection of vignettes where it's just like this has nothing to do with Halloween and I always saw that as a as a kid um, before I you know knew anything about World War One or like you know early twentieth century European history and I was just like what is going on? Yet weirdly enough, when uh, whoever did uh, the song, uh, they made it about Christmas. Vin- Vince Guaraldi. Uh, Snoopy Which versus song? the Red Baron. Oh, by the uh, Royal Guardsmen. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the song from the, uh, from the from the episode, not the song about the episode. <laughs> well, hold the phone. Um, yeah. Uh, the Royal Guardsmen went on to record several other Snoopy theme songs, including two follow-ups to Snoopy versus the Red Baron, The Return of the Red Baron, and Snoopy's Christmas. Together with other tunes such as Snoopy for President, in 2006 they released Snoopy versus Osama. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to judge, but you know, if you find yourself pigeonholed into making Peanuts-themed novelty songs, I feel like that's a sign that the whole career the whole music career is not going super well isn't uh, a band uh, making snoopy based novelty themes based out of tampa florida oh are they from tampa yeah well chalk them up to the to the list of uh an- another one for the list of uh tampa's finest stem and molly hatchet and cannibal corpse oh yeah i forgot about the whole death metal thing yeah so there's quite a bit of them and uh uh, Siberia, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Well, Tampa area. Yeah. They met at the Tarpon Springs Astro Skate. Yeah. <laughs> and as one did when they were uh, teenagers in the 80s full of cocaine, uh, they decided to start a power metal band. <laughs> as you do. As one does, yes. Well, on the note of uh, Snoopy versus Osama, I think that's a good spot to take a break. Yeah. We'll be back after some uh, messages from our holiday sponsors. Only from Atari. Made especially for systems from Atari. The video game that lets you help E.T. get home. Just in time for Christmas. Happy Holidays from Atari. Okay, so you watched uh, Joe Bob Saves Christmas, right? Uh, I did, yes. Uh, there was one or two uh, items uh, for their silent auction I was looking at. Yeah, I figured you would be into the, uh, the Vincent Price um, shrunken head kit. I was very into the Vincent Price shrunken head kit until I saw what uh, what the going bid was. Yeah, I looked up a couple. Well, I say, of those I, items I, I say going bid. The auction is still ongoing, but when I yeah. checked uh, the other night, it was uh, already up to thirty eight thirty eight hundred. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's much higher than that now. Yeah, it could be. I asked Dad if he wanted a uh, $1,000 uh, Arkansas Razorbacks uh, pig hat. He says he wouldn't really care for one of those for free. This is... Uh, okay, now actually the Joe, the the shrunken head kid is sitting at thirty eight hundred right now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's nice to give money to uh, the the Trevor Project and all, but I can't fathom that many Joe Bob viewers who can justify spending uh, almost four grand on an antique toy. Um, you know, nerds out there are. There's something else. They are something else. Never, never, never let it be said that they're not. There's a lot of people with um, a lot of disposable income out there and uh, way too much time on their hands. I would like to be one of them. I already have way too much time on my hands. All I need is the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do you much good being a broke-ass uh, person with too much time on your hands. Yeah, sure it does. Both. It's, like it's it, both or neither. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, you had some uh, more specials uh, you had in your uh, in your mind in your Christmas uh, mind castle. Yeah, I got a couple in my in my. That does my remind me pocket. though. It's like, what's with the Rankin Bass movies and Santa building like weirdo fuck off weirdo sex castles? Well, were they sex castles? Uh, if you build yourself a personal castle, I just kind of assume. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a lot of, uh, like, uh, medieval feudal rulers probably were sex freaks too. So who knows? Yeah. But Santa Claus, it doesn't even have to defend himself from barbarian hordes or peasant uprisings. Yeah. What are, are the elves? Just the, oca- just the occasional elf rebellion. So was he like dumping hot lead on them from the uh, from the battlements? Hey, I mean, you know, you got to keep the elves in line. I guess he has a firm hand, but a fair hand. Do not cross it, and you shall not feel its wrath. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, before I interrupted you. Oh yes. Um. So another of the, uh, I think, those top tier Christmas specials, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, yes, of course. Not the Jim Carrey one. Of course not. Or but, the Illuminations one. But not, not the Jim Carrey one. I will admit it is perversely interesting. <laughs> it, I mean, but, whatever, yeah, as, as, as long as it's not the Illuminations one. Yeah. Uh, a perversely uninteresting movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be if you're going to be fucking weird, at least be interesting. And the Jim Carrey movie like the Jim Carrey movie is not good, but I it did hold my attention, I will say that. <laughs> every yeah, it's like every choice they made was the most baffling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's a profoundly ugly movie too. It's like every shot it looks like the lens has just been rubbed down with like uh, grease the from Christmas like, ham, yeah, the green eggs and ham, yeah. But uh, it's yeah, it's a very ugly movie. Um, it's not a particularly competent movie, 
And if you look at the story, the story, it's not particularly interesting either. It's just all of the periphery. It all comes together in this uh, sort of delightfully appealing salad. <laughs> you mean unappealing salad? Well, you see, it should be, but it, uh, I don't know. Pickled beets, like, uh, croutons, bacon bits, you name it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a 3 a.m. gas station uh, salad bar. <laughs> but you're 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 too drunk to either you're either too drunk to notice or too drunk to care. Yeah. But yeah, I think we should probably talk more about the actually good one. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. May, may, maybe uh, at some point in the future, we'll do like a deep dive just on the. Uh, the uh, Academy Award-winning uh, Jim Carrey Grinch movie. <laughs> uh, we we actually should probably do that, but um, <laughs> and I don't even have to lie when I call it Academy Award-winning. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it! Suck but, it! Uh, whatever was out that year. <laughs> what was that two thousand one? I don't remember. I would have been like seven, nine. Yeah, but let's talk first about the um, the actually good one. You know, it's got Boris Karloff in one of his uh, last roles, and one of his most beloved. Yeah. Well, I mean, for most people who aren't like big horror fans, this is probably the most for the the role the Boris Karloff role with which they're most familiar. Even for people who are big uh, Boris Karloff fans, you know, I think all of us had like our. Uh... Our, our moment uh, when we realized that uh, the nice old man reading uh, the story to us was the Frankenstein monster. And then we flipped our shit. <laughs> I, I think that's just like a, uh, a rite of passage for, uh, for monster kids. Yeah. Well, he just, he just has such a, uh, a really good, like appealing and warm yet sinister British accent. <laughs> Well, he can be very like soft and warm when he's reading the uh, the narrated bits, and then just like a dick when he's uh, 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 acting as the Grinch. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like he's some kind of trained actor or something. And of course, it has uh, the the contribution of the uh, the lasting song by Thurl Ravenscroft, a name I wish I had. Uh, which song? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking Thur the fa Fahu Forest or whatever. Th uh, no, that 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 <laughs> song sucks. But yeah, Thurl Ravenscroft, best known as the voice of Tony the Tiger, contributed uh, voice work to The Haunted Mansion, The Country Bear Jamboree, Pirates of the Caribbean, most of the Disney attractions, actually. Yeah, wherever you need like a creepy, uh, deep voice, or just just a big voice. Yeah. Big. Yeah, because he also he yeah, also did like a big ass uh, voice on that boy. Yeah, because he was also on uh, like the the Mark Twain riverboat and that kind of stuff at Disney World too. Yeah, was he like a uh, Sam the uh, the engine man? Yeah, I think so. But um, I don't know. There, this is another this is another special where it's 
sort of like Charlie Brown Christmas where I can't necessarily isolate down what is so appealing about it, but it it's, just, it, it simply works. Yeah. It's short, it's sweet, and it is profoundly Christmassy. Yeah. So I did always wonder about the mythology of that. It's like, do who's have Jesus? Um, well, according to uh, the 2001 movie, uh, Whoville is inside of a snowflake. So uh, they live their entire lives in about, um, I don't know, 10 minutes. Not just their lives, but their entire society's lives. Yeah. <laughs> some some weird quantum shit going on here. Yeah, it must be like a slip dimension or something. Yeah. But I, I mean I think that this is a better this is a better and more well constructed special or like story and everything than uh Halloween is Grinch Night. Which is interesting but... because as we mentioned, Halloween is Grinch Night was actually Dr. Seuss's favorite adaptation of his work. Yeah. Well, I think that's the one he did personally. Like, I think he made Halloween as Grinch Night. And I believe that it's supposed to be canon. Like, they, they, are, they are continuous. They take place in the same Whoville. Uh, he wrote Grinch Night. He didn't direct it. Okay, so he, he wrote the screenplay, you mean? Yes. Okay, yeah. Although he no he he wrote the screenplay for How the Grinch Stole Christmas as well so hmm. okay I don't know maybe he just like some like fucking weirdo ass some weirdo shit open up the paraphernalia wagon and the brown acid comes out you know what I I'm sure he probably did <laughs> so like I was saying though I think it is it is kind of weird to to think that. Dr. Seuss had the intention that these two films would be within the same universe. Yeah. Did, did we ever establish whether Grinch Night was a prequel or a sequel? I believe it's supposed to be a prequel. Okay. And it's weird because in that in that movie, the Grinch is portrayed as, you know, basically a, a walking natural disaster. Yeah, they have a Grinch and, alarm center. Yeah. But he's not particularly competent at uh, doing his whatever he would do. <laughs> Gets sidetracked by like one 10-year-old boy. Yeah. And then in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he seems to be treated more as just a, uh, a, a weird nuisance who lives in the mountains. Um, but he's actually much more competent at stealing Christmas than he was at uh, doing the Grinch Night Ball whatever that was. And then uh, the Jim Carrey movie kind of uh, uh, meets the two in the middle where he is both feared as this almost like urban legend type figure and is also competent enough to actually steal Christmas. Yes. But is also an awkward fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, that's like 90% of Jim Carrey's shtick. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't have a uh, I am an adult bit in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the early 2000s. You could still get away with it back then. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that we need that we want to talk about on how the Grinch stole Christmas or just, you know, it's it's all around good. Yeah, I mean, it's based on like a 14 page storybook. There's really only so much you can say about it. 
Yeah. That's kind of the thing with a lot of these is that the material is very thin, but what you're watching it for is more uh, like atmosphere and ambience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that you could just stuff that would play in the background of other Christmas movies. Yes. This, yeah, you're watching these specials not necessarily because they have amazing, uh, compelling stories, but because they are what, like you said, they are the the window dressing that other movies use to create a Christmas vibe. They're yeah. that Christmassy. But that does provide an interesting segue into the next special that I wanted to talk about, which is kind of the opposite uh the hey arnold christmas special <laughs> yeah i knew it was only a matter of time before we got to this one yeah uh what what are you what are you doing for what are you doing over there with your christmas special grinch stealing christmas oh is uh is charlie brown sad because he doesn't know about the the true meaning of christmas what's hey arnold christmas special about vietnam motherfucker <laughs> yeah well, you clearly have a lot to say, so uh, you know, let's get into it, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, Hey Arnold was a really good cartoon show, really, looking back on it. It was, yeah. But this is a real a, a way out of left field for even Hey Arnold. Like this is hand this is the story covers kind of like a uh, like subject matter that uh, most uh, like like drama series probably wouldn't even touch on where it's like you got uh you know arnold living in his boarding house and uh you know you've always got all of like the 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 kooky boarding house residents um who have always been you know pretty you know in the first two seasons were always you know relatively one-dimensional they got a little bit more development as the show went on but uh you know it's focused on mr Quinn, and you find out that he uh, was basically trying to uh, escape uh, at the U.S. Embassy during the fall of Saigon. <laughs> and uh, he, they, uh, he got his daughter onto it, like his baby daughter onto a helicopter. And uh, then they, you know, they took her to, the, to, to America. And then he eventually got his, made his way over to America, too, and had been looking for her for like 20 years. Yeah, he says specifically that he was trying to flee as the uh, the fighting was getting closer to his uh, village. But the scene of him giving up his daughter is very evocative of the fall of Saigon. Oh yeah, he's they're on the, they're on the top of the like American embassy as like the gates are coming down, and they're doing like the helicopter lifts and shit. I'm just like the, the filmmakers know what they're doing here. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to give away the ending or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's startlingly emotionally mature. Yeah. For, for uh, a 90s Nickelodeon uh, Nicktoon. Yeah. Uh, Arnold uh, draws Mr. Wynn's name in the uh, the boarding house. Uh, in the uh, the boarding house, uh, Secret Santa. And uh, what he got from him, what he got Mr. Wynn for Christmas or what Mr. Wynn ended up getting everyone else for Christmas. Be a goddamn nom. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't really want to get into too many details with this one because I think that everybody should just watch it. Like, I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. 
It does. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of wanted to get into it, but you're you're probably right. It does deserve to be seen for itself. Yeah, like of all of the specials that we've talked about, this one is the one that's like actually legitimately good. Yeah. Well, In then like, I would say uh, from like a storytelling Grinch... perspective. Yeah. I would say how the Grinch stole Christmas was good from a storytelling perspective. It's just that the story was how the Grinch stole Christmas, not the story yeah, of the Vietnam Vietnamese diaspora. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was very, it, that one was a very short and uh, more whimsical story. This one, uh, a little bit less whimsy. Although it's not much of a spoiler to say that the, uh, the conclusion is a uh, very, uh, very uh very whim not whimsical but very sweet yeah yeah there's no christmas miracle but someone kind of makes a christmas miracle happen yeah now coming from that high i now want to bring it back down a bit with uh another special that i didn't see as a kid uh, this was one that I was introduced to like way, way later as a, you know, in my mid to late 20s. And that is uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, it was a it was like a Jim Henson thing. It was like it was a Muppet special. Not the one um, with John not... Denver. Uh, no, no, it doesn't have any of your name brand Muppets in it. <laughs> <laughs> John Denver. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have John Denver, but it also doesn't have any of your uh, name brand Muppets. It's centered around Emmett Otter. I'm the Muppets fan, and I have no idea who that is. Um, is he one of the guys from Electric Mayhem? No, he looks like a... Uh... Shit, what's the little rabbit's name? Uh, Bean Bunny? Bean, yeah. He looks like a uh, bootleg Bean Bunny. Crossed with a bootleg uh, country bear jamboree. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's sort of Why like was this, this uh... the second idea they had. <laughs> I'm looking at a chronological list of all the Muppet specials. First one was the great Santa Claus switch. Second one was whatever this is. Yeah. Um. I I watched this one with a couple of friends uh, a few years back, and my reaction was basically just, "The fuck are these? The fuck are those?" So you've got it's it seems to take place anywhere between the I don't know late antebellum and the and the and the like the Great Depression. I mean, the, 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 the synopsis in, in, I, in I'm like looking shit, at in like, in like shit ass, uh, like, uh, like Mississippi or Missouri or like Missouri or something like that. Yeah, the synopsis, the, the synopsis I'm looking at says there's a talent show with a grand prize of $50. So, yeah. And yeah, uh, Emmett Otter wants to win the wants to win the talent show with his jug band and get the $50 so that he can finally, you know, make it to the big time. <laughs> But their jug band isn't no Willie and the Poor Boys. And so all of this stuff is happening. And in the story, there's a, uh, you know, a, a kind of like a gang of like, um, like, uh, like, you know, 
street toughs, hoodlums, whatever. And so they show up at the like they're at the the old timey talent show with a fucking like 60s style like Jimi Hendrix ask like heavy blues rock band and are just fucking tearing it up and I'm like well this just uh, call call this just created so many questions <laughs> I mean they are jug- they are hey, the hang river- on hang on jug bands were big in the late 60s to early 70s you know Mungo Jerry clocked a number one hit in Britain no it, yeah it went to number one in the states too I think okay well, that still doesn't explain why everything looks like it's uh, like mar- everything looks real Mark Twain hours is what right. I'm getting at. And uh, then Arkansas a- is just like that. And then all of a sudden the Riverbottom Nightmare Band comes in on like fucking uh, with with uh, like like looking like they are about to step on stage at Woodstock. And I am, I was just so confused. It was so jarring. <laughs> and then they win. Uh, Emmett Otter's, Emmett Otter's fucking jug band gets owned. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> so. <laughs> It would be like if they're trying to get Frosty to the North Pole and they just quit after they can't afford a train ticket and then the rest of the special is just him melting in the hot sun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they do get hired at the end to uh, sing at a local restaurant. But they still lost the talent show, which is what the show was about. They got owned by the foggy by the by the asshole foggy bottom river nightmare band who have been dicks this entire special. <laughs> they won. Uh, according to what I'm looking at, this was based off of a book from 1971. So I guess that explains why there's none of the A-list Muppets in here. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, that that it it was really, really dull until that third act and i was just mystified by what i was watching (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm just i want to throw that one an honorable mention because that was you know we've talked about some weird what the fuck specials so far but that one was just the weird like the weirdest left turn i'm imagining their uh shitty little jug band playing and then all of a sudden like Arthur Brown just like comes out, smashes their jugs, kicks around their instruments and sets the stage, sets them on fire. Yeah, bas- that's basically what it was. <laughs> hey, basically just kicked them off stage and screamed, I am the god of hellfire. <laughs> and I bring you fire. So. Okay, uh, so was this supposed to be bad or good? Because you're kind of like selling it. Uh, yes. All right. Like I said, it's very boring for the you know first seventy-five to eighty percent of it, and then it just kicks out the jams in the third act. I was surprised you didn't come up with any of the uh, the Simpsons Christmas specials. Hmm. Since those, yeah, they did of... actually have quite a few of those. They and get what, overshadowed the first... by they get overshadowed by um, Treehouse of Horror. But they, but the, they the first one is the only one that actually had a lasting impact on the series because that's how we get Santa's little helper. I think that was the first episode of The Simpsons too. 
don't know about that, but in any case, uh, the one I better remember is, uh, you know, of course, buy me Bone Storm or go to hell. Yeah, that one is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the other one with uh, what was it, Weibo? Uh, the, the, the oh yeah, the one where the, where the, the nightmarish the school... creature. Yeah, where the school basically just uh, becomes um, market research. Yeah, yeah. We have the first product made made by children for children, with all profits going to children. You're giving all profits to children. Well, we're all somebody's children. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that was um that was a later one too. Like um that was probably early two thousands, right? Uh, probably something in there. Because you uh, know it was it was spoofing like the Furby craze, so. Yeah. And I mean, I've always been um, more of a, a Simpsons apologist because a lot of people, you know, hate anything that came out after like season eight or nine. Whereas I think that, you know, good Simpsons probably lasted until like they were consistently better than uh, like more better than not like on average, ag like aggregate. They were better than uh, they were better uh, probably through uh, season 14, I would say, like more good than bad. I mean, I'd rather watch uh, a mediocre episode of The Simpsons than like a good episode of Family Guy or American Dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I would rather watch a dog shit Simpsons episode than a good uh, Seth MacFarlane show. So yeah, kind of grading on a curve here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Matt Groening, though, um, probably the most horror drama. Yeah, probably the most horror themed Christmas special would be the Futurama specials. Yeah, where Santa's just a killer robot. Yeah, yeah. He was he was designed to uh, distribute uh, toys to all the good little girls and boys, but a programming glitch set his uh, standards too high. So the only one who's good enough to meet his list is Mister Zoidberg. For reasons. Yeah. <laughs> You've all been very naughty, very naughty indeed. Except for you, Doctor Zoidberg. This is for you. Was that also John Goodman? Uh, in the first one, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they replaced him in later episodes, but yeah. Yeah, uh, they made quite a few of those uh, Futurama Christmas episodes, but they were all pretty good from what I recall. Yeah. Yeah, towards the later uh, seasons, they just kind of uh, did the Charlie Brown approach and said fuck it and started doing holiday anthologies. So, you yeah. Know, pretty sure Hanukkah Zombie finally showed up. They did a Kwanzaa episode. Well, they they featured Kwanzaa bot before that, right? Yeah, but uh, they did a, a a Kwanzaa thing with the uh, Africanized space bees. Hmm. Throwback. <laughs> yeah. Digging hey, deep. kids! Remember Africanized bees? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> well, you had to be there in the late '90s in Southern California <laughs> for like six months yeah so any uh any other ones that you wanted to touch on any other holiday specials oh how could we, how could we not uh close on uh the the most classic of uh holiday specials the star wars one <laughs> all right yeah that's probably a good way to, to play us out yeah even though it actually aired on, I think, like the week after Thanksgiving. So, you know, not really Christmas, but. 
Nah. Well, we don't know. Okay, so we don't know when on the calendar Life Day falls, and we don't know around which sun that calendar is based. So yeah, it's 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 a holiday on another planet. So yeah, in a galaxy far, far away. Right. <laughs> so you know. Also, does Kashyyyk have more than one sun? So I, that that might fuck some shit up. I don't know. Yeah. Already way more thought than I've ever put into this Star Wars holiday special. No, you wouldn't be the person who put the most thought into it because uh, they released a uh, sequel to it on Disney Plus in November of this year. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the... uh, the You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Hmm. Feel like you're getting your peanut butter in my Vicks vapor rub, <laughs> but uh, I'll investigate. <laughs> Lego Star Wars holiday special set after the end of episode nine. Uh, it, it, this is it's actually canon, uh, I, I guess. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the, the original special was canon. Yeah. First appearance of Boba Fett, to my re- recollection. Uh, first uh, scene appearance. Uh, he did uh, show up in that deleted scene that got added back into New Hope. But yeah. uh, as far as the public was aware, this was, yeah, the first appearance of Boba Fett in the animated segment. Yeah. Well, fuck um, that. Uh, I'm here for B. Arthur and her song. But regardless... Um, a lot happens in this special, but also a lot at the same happens, time, nothing... but also nothing happens. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like a lot happens, but nothing really happens. <laughs> Got Jefferson Starship, and who is the singer that that uh, the 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 Wookiee child was just like hornily like you know entranced by? Oh, uh, that that wasn't the, that wasn't the child. That was a creepy grandpa itchy. Was it? I thought that I thought it was the kid that was like og- like ogling the uh the the space TV singer. No, that was that was Grandpa Itchy. Okay. Yeah, Chewbacca's family are his wife Mala, his uh I don't know father Itchy and his son Lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, Itchy, Lumpy, and Chewbacca. <laughs> I'm assuming that they also have, you know, more Wookiee-ish names. Like Chewy is short for Chewbacca. Like maybe Lumpy is short for Lump, Lump, Lumpanaka or something. Lump, Lumpiticus. <laughs> the third. Esquire. <laughs> so, did you have anything else that you wanted to throw out there? No, I think that that's about a wrap uh, for uh, for the christmas tv specials yeah yeah i feel like you know if we if we continued to beat up on the star wars holiday special it'd just be like that simpsons meme of the uh you know stop he's already dead <laughs> something something here's a signed photograph of your favorite new character bing bong janks <laughs> yeah see that, that that's a good that, that's an example of like a great later era simpsons episode the uh the fandom menace episode yeah 
But even that, I don't think was particularly late. That might have been like season twelve. Oh, it would have been like ninety nine or two thousand. So, yeah, so eleven or twelve. Yeah. Uh, and uh, give a quick shout out to the uh, Squidbillies Christmas special where they kidnap Santa and hold him for ransom in exchange for the still beating heart of Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Yeah. He's a race car driver? Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it's as deep as it sounds. Yep. Yeah, sounds sounds right for the squid billies. Yep. <laughs> so I don't know. Christmas specials were probably a mistake. I don't know why we've talked about them for as long as we have. Uh you know, they are uh, a land of contrasts. <laughs> Sometimes you're being granted accommodations by a flying lion named King Moonraiser. Other times, uh, Arthur Brown is blowing your podunk little jug band off the stage of Woodstock. Yeah. Sometimes it just bees that way. (laughs) Well, on that note, my name is Ness. And David. And this has been another rambling Splatterpunk's podcast. Keep on rambling, folks. Quite. You want excitement? Jump this up your stocking! So tell your folks, buy me, Bonestorm, or go to hell!